0: We do get asked a lot specifically about the photography side of things, how the local people respond to being photographed. And so we were thinking, well, this could make an interesting discussion as to why we actually even include photography in our vlogs.
1: Hello, I'm Liz. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Follow the Boat in which we discuss what it's really like to give it all up to live on a boat and
0: go travelling around the world. We've been doing it since 2006 and we're still at it. Each week we talk about our latest YouTube video and about boats, sailing, travel or anything else which floats into our heads.
1: And if you leave a comment we like, we'll give you an answer and a name check. Peace and and fair fair winds.
0: Hello once more, and uh, firstly, my apologies, I probably look really tired, a bit, a bit paranoid here, uh, but we had a bit of an issue last night, didn't we, Elizabeth?
1: Yeah, so it was uh, morning for me, it was the middle of the night for you, but I got onto the boat because... You may be able to hear a slight difference in the way I'm sounding and if you're watching you'll see that obviously I'm not on the boat and I'm not on the boat because so much going on inside I'm staying in a room in the hotel so what I'm doing is get up having breakfast and I go onto the boat Just got on the boat this morning and put the fans on nothing happened and then went around the boat and all the sockets were out so I couldn't plug anything in couldn't make a cup of tea couldn't do nothing so nine o'clock here is one o'clock in the morning there so I spent half an hour clicking switches and going around and wondering what to do and eventually I gave up sent some help messages to you because it's electrical and I'm always worried about electrical things.
0: yeah I just happened to to be awake at the time but uh, I didn't get to sleep until 3 30 this morning and then of course uh, had to get up for well to be ready at nine to do this podcast so we could catch the light at both ends of our respective locations. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, I, I haven't had much sleep, so I apologise. Anyway, we've got the inverter working again, which is a good thing, but we're gonna get uh, uh, an electrician to just pop up who's seen the inverter before and knows a thing or two about them, uh, to maybe just have a look at it with you. So this is, but well, yeah, this is one of the problems with being so remote from each other. And mm. as you can see, uh, if you are watching this, I am still in the UK, so mm. uh, apologies for that.
1: You were supposed to have been back by now, but things took a little bit longer than we thought, didn't they?
0: Mm, yes, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that things are progressing on the boat, as they are back in the UK for me. So uh, it all is not lost. We're still getting stuff done, which is great.
1: Yeah, yes, we are. And uh, yeah, so when you get back, there'll be a few more things to finish up that require your presence. And then it would be very nice to get back in the water. I'm absolutely fed up with being on land, in a, <laughs> on a boat on land. She gets so hot. I moan about it every week, but there you go. Anyway, it's a bit cooler now here because I have not only air conditioning, but I have hot water showers as well. Absolute Ooh.
0: luxury. That is a luxury, isn't it? Yeah, nice. but well, it's getting colder and colder by the day here. Um, not, yes. not for, I have to say, not for the people that live here who are quite used to this weather, but of course, Having spent so many years in the tropics, it does take me that much longer to re-acclimatise to the UK <laughs> climate. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing too badly. I'm, I'm coping, well but as you can see, you know, I've still got layers on.
1: Yes, so. I did tell you to take some thermals, but you'll never learn, will you? <laughs> <laughs> right, so this week's podcast then. Mm. Uh, quite, quite interesting, isn't it? Um, I wrote down the quote that we got... Um, it was on our Discord community, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, this is from, from Lundo Bali, isn't it? Who, who regularly comments and uh, has started watching us since we've moved to Indonesia because they're based in Indo themselves. So they're fascinated by what's going on. But the question that they had was much more general, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it sort of sparked some ideas in our head. So they did ask us quite a lot, lot of questions, which we have covered elsewhere, and I was able to point them in the right direction. And uh, But this sentence really made me sit up and think. It was, was it easy for you to start talking to strangers, or did it take time to get to your current ease? And if you're a regular uh, viewer, you'll know that we spend a lot of time photographing, videoing and spending hours walking and just generally time with local people.
0: It's a big, uh, it's a big side to what we do, definitely. And yeah. uh, with, you know, with talking to local people comes filming and photographing local people. And this is where Lando Bali went on to ask about how comfortable we are with mm. photographing and, and filming people.
1: And, and it got it us, a,
0: sorry, go on. <laughs> I think we're about to say the same thing. It got yeah. us thinking, well, yeah. you know, this could be an interesting one because we do get asked a lot specifically about the photography side of things, um, how the local people respond to being photographed. And, but, and so we were thinking, well, this could make an interesting discussion as to why we actually even include photography in our vlogs, and vlog being the operative word, because that means a video log. Uh, mm. So it, it's quite a, a, a change to be putting more and more still photography into our vlogs. And it's not something that we see that often, is it?
1: No, it's not. So there's two things that we do that perhaps not so many other tubes, tubers do, which is, one, talk to the local people, interview them, get them on camera. We're not filming ourselves diving and... and fratting around we're more interested in the people that we meet (laughs) and uh, secondly we put uh, we've started to put more and more actually images into our videos and it all comes about because of your passion interest and ability in photography you've been taking photographs for a long time and you're uh, a member of the More photographic association society. Society, What is it? Society. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, you've been studying and 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 dealing in in images in 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 images rather than video for a very long time. Video only came in secondary, and it really is. It would you say it's your real passion?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Mm. And it's it's something I realised I'd neglected over the last few years with doing the whole YouTube channel is that I was Mm. concentrating so much on the video side of things. And I think one of my frustrations is that in my head with video, I have great ideas, (laughs) but I'm finding the execution quite difficult simply because of the time constraints. You know, we put out a video or we put out our travel log episodes every other week now, which has allowed me to buy some more time. But from a cinemagraphic point of view, Uh, the framing, the lighting, all that kind of things, I think they're heavily compromised when we do video because we are restricted by time and location. And quite often we are recording when perhaps it's an overcast day, it could be in the midday sun, you know, in conditions that aren't ideal for uh, either photography or videography. And so quite often when I put an episode out, I'm always a little bit frustrated that it not being how I saw it in my head,
1: mm. because with the photography, you were always able to go, you know, find somewhere and then go back and spend some time there. Or even if it's something that we'd only knew we wouldn't be able to go back to, we could spend hours there and and wait for the light to change and wait for the conditions to be right and chat to people. Um, so going back to people we were able to put them at their ease to a certain extent. And um, I think you you obviously started it first because of your street photography, but I soon warmed to it with you and um, it's become a big part of our travel. Um, Because you wanted to do the portraiture and general street photography, we ended up talking to people a lot more than we perhaps might have.
0: Yes, and I I guess also, Maybe people respond better to a quick lift up of the camera to take a photo rather than holding a video camera in their face. There may be Mm. something in that. Um, And also, I think my methodology or my approach while doing both video and and photography is different. As I said, Mm. you know, there's this constraint of having to be uh, filming in order to put something out. So the, the pressure is already there to put this out Um, Because I know I've got to put a video out this week with photography, the approaches or the methodology is very different. The photography is purely for me. Mm. And so that does allow me to be more relaxed, maybe a bit more thoughtful in what I'm producing. And when you slow down and do the photography, that suddenly makes you more approachable and more relaxed approaching local people. Because yeah. you've got, you know, you slow down, you've got time to chat to them, uh, to to eke out the locations or the, the people to photograph. Whereas mm-hmm. with video, I always feel like it's like, quick, film this, quick, film that. got to get a bit of B-roll, mm-hmm. got to get this shot here uh, mm-hmm. for the, you know, for an end game, for something to produce at the end of it. And I think that's, uh,
1: yeah, sorry. All I was going to say is that what, what you're saying is it's almost formulaic, isn't it? Oh, I've got to get the B roll, got to get this shot, I've got to get that shot, you know, it's another sunset, here's a blah, blah, blah. It's the same old, same old. Um, and it's like, I mean, obviously, some of those things are great and they're really important. But I think that's where video comes in because you don't really do that with a camera. With a camera, you want to concentrate on the subject. And I think generally that your people photography, it's way better than the video of people, so that's where the camera really comes into its own, don't you think? On the whole, not always. Yes. Obviously, there's some great landscapes as well. But.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. And I, I think a picture really does uh, speak a thousand words, spell a thousand mm. words. What's the expression? A picture tells a thousand words. <laughs> speaks, um, I think. Speaks. Yes. Picture because speaks about them. you know, you are, you have one frame in which to tell a story and believe me there are many thousands of photographs that you don't get to see because Mm. as a photographer you take many many photos and then you go back and you edit them and you pare them down and maybe let's say out of a hundred photographs maybe five possibly ten are keepers which Mm. truly tell a story and And I think that's the great thing about photography is that with just one image, you can tell so many stories. Mm. More importantly, I think the viewer can interpret a single frame in so Mm. many different ways.
1: Yes, a face, a face can say so much to you. Um, Expressions can look very different to people, which is why I love portraiture. So there's two things here, there's street photography, which is one thing which you could perhaps explain to people and then there's portraiture and you do both of those things I think generally Uh, sometimes they're easier in some places than than in others there's not so much to say here I've got questions but you're obviously the one that needs to, to do the answering so would you agree that it's part street part portraiture that you're doing
0: Yes, and even then you can break it down further because the portraiture I do is street portraiture. So obviously it's not using studio lights, it's using available light. And quite often my portraits are taken without permission from that person. Uh, I talked about this briefly in one of our recent videos when we walked Mm. around Beamer. Mm. And so, you know, if if you look at some street portraiture, uh all they're all they're doing is going around finding interesting people, stopping them saying, "Can you pose for me to mm. take a you know to take a photo and then they interact and they can get yes you know and they can get good portraits uh but i, I even my street portraiture tends to be uh you know uncontrolled i suppose mm. but I guess yes we should just very quickly explain what street street photography yes. is. I mean it's hugely contentious and (laughs) when you're in the photography world this gets debated to death. What is street photography? And first of all the terminology is a bit misleading because you think well it's photographs taken in the street and it isn't. Certainly from my perspective I've seen street photography of landscapes and countryside Um, but essentially for those who don't know perhaps the biggest proponent and the most famous photographer of street photography was Henri Cartier-Bresson, and he actually set up the Magnum Society, the, the famous photography uh, society, so it was he who set that up. And he used this term, the decisive moment. Now, mm. I'm sure all photographers out there will have heard this, and they will probably have heard even this debated to death, but the decisive moment is that one frame. That tells mm. the story better than the frames that came before it or after it, and it's the street photographer's ability to capture that decisive moment. Mm. Quite often, street photography can be taken to its extreme, and capturing a decisive moment that uh, is almost bizarre looking in, you know, when you look at the one frame that stage, that setup. up, how did they get that photo that, you know, that's incredible, you know, that to have got that one decisive moment, um, mm. uh, you know, the reactions of a street photographer quite hot often have to be ninja like because you've, you're, trying to get that decisive moment.
1: Sorry for interrupting, but while I've got you here, if you like what we do and you want to support us and become a Patreon or join us on mates, or even drop a quid in the rum fund, go to followtheboat.com forward slash pub. Of course, come to the pub. The other thing is putting yourself in the right place at the right time. There's a, a good friend of yours who he would spend all day on one particular corner waiting for that right moment he wouldn't take any photos and he knew what he was looking for and then he'd get it so it's you know it's not always just uh, run and gun or whatever it's called
0: <laughs> mm. yeah i mean that's just one one technique uh, mm. and then you know if you go on instagram and you look up street photography you'll see a lot of black and white mm. heavily contrasty shadows highlight angles uh, you know, it's all they've almost become a bit of a cliche now. But uh, it's it, all you have to think is decisive moments and not necessarily taken on a street. So yeah. it, it's uh, it is quite a broad uh, photographic style. Um, and but of course, a lot of my photography kind of borders on travel photography mm. because. Travel photography is all about a sense of place. That's how the Royal Photographic Society defines travel photography, a sense of place. Mm -hmm. So within your one frame and within your story, you're saying, here's the person, but here's the environment in which they're operating in. And so uh, you can get travel street photography and perhaps the most famous person of that is uh, Steve McCurry. Um mm. the person who who took the Afghan girl that appeared on the mm. National Geographic, when you look at some of his shots of India, um, they are definitely travel photos, but they are also street because he's capturing that decisive yeah. moment.
1: He was one of the he was the first really to really understand and get the light and the colors in India. and he he's spawned a million copycats. But also not just copycats, but he's inspired people to go to India and see what an extraordinary place it was. Of course, we had three years there and you used to take um, street walks with local photographers, didn't you? You used to go on photo walks together That's with
0: them. That's right. Yeah, befriended a whole bunch of photographers yeah. down in Kerala. And we used to go for photo walks at the weekend, uh, which was great fun and also a good way of getting to know the local photographers in that scene. It It's I was going to say it was quite difficult to get good street photography when there's a group of 15 of you walking around <laughs> in a group. But actually, uh, India was a very good place where you're ignored. And I think as a street photographer, that's what you want. You want to be ignored. Mm. Um, you don't want to be seen because another, it's not a rule, but uh, one thing that's hotly debated is should the subject be looking at at the camera um, and perhaps... Eighty percent of the time, no, you don't want them looking at the camera. Uh, but some great street photography uh, is where the subject is looking directly at the camera, mm. and again is telling a, a, a story that is so engaging because you're mesmerised by locking mm. eyes with the with the subject. Mm.
1: Yes, it's it's very interesting. So what we need to do now is we need to take some of your principles of. of images and and photography and how you apply them to videography. So I think people would be interested to know what you try to do with a video camera um, when you're not using your your stills camera.
0: I'd say with videography, maybe the rules that you're... I keep saying rules, you know, it's the same with anything. With photography, learn the rules and then learn how to break them. Um, So definitely don't take my word literally. But when thinking of videography, it's maybe a, I don't know, maybe it's a bit more akin to landscape photography, uh, where you are following some basic principles like lighting, um, you know, the best time of day to be shooting, they say is first thing in the morning and towards sunset, the golden hour. But I contest that because I think sometimes the midday sun can also produce some great both photography and video. but also to think about the framing, you know, the idea of this rule mm. of thirds, you know, dividing your screen up into a grid of nine blocks, and then getting your subject to fall on one of those lines, you know, th- those kind of principles as well. But mm. I think it's it, it's also with vlogging, it is a bit more like run and gun documentary making, and that's where those kind of rules go out the window. And the thing you are concentrating on is the story. And if the story requires you to run down the street with a shaky camera to help tell the story, then so be it. And that's why some of those more creative rules go out the window, because actually Mm. what you're trying to do is to document something. And how many documentaries have we watched where it's shaky camera work and bad lighting? Yeah,
1: the sound may not be perfect. Yeah. And uh, but yes, it's telling a story. You might have voiceovers that bring it all together. So quite a lot of the time. You have a sort of (laughs) a mixed bag of of, of stills and videography of of talking to local people, talking to each other, talking to camera at the time and then talking about it afterwards in studio or or on the boat rather. Um, And then that's, that's why videography is different because you are using all of those elements to tell a story and you're p- pulling them all together to try and come up with something that has some meaning. Whereas with photography, it's one image and that will have that meaning. It may be part of a set, but it's all there in the one image. Um, so why have we started putting a lot more of our st- of your stills into our videos? People, I think, seem to like it. What, what is it? Why is it you're doing it?
0: Well, that's the reason, because people like it. Uh, I think there's two reasons, really. The first is, as I was saying, I felt that I was neglecting my photography side of uh, my passion. So I wanted to go back and do more photography. But as you say, what we found was, uh, I, we did a little experiment. I think I put in five, ten photos in one episode. And the feedback we got from that was very positive. Mm. Um, and interestingly, you know, from a YouTubing point of view, quite a few people said, no one else is doing this, you know, taking mm. a break and just having a photo montage. Mm. Um, so we took those ideas on board and said, okay, well, mm. this is great because it means I can do more photography and mm. put them in our videos, yeah. uh, which, was, right. it, which is wonderful. And, you know, I I don't really use social media anymore f- for my photography, but it is always nice to get positive feedback, so mm. uh, that that helps as well, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. Um, People have reacted pretty well to the images. It's absolutely, yes, they have. But I think that's all great. But I think we took a conscious decision, didn't we? That uh, you were gonna do more photography, go back to your roots and include them in our videos to be be authentic, to be ourselves, because this is what we do you like to go around with a camera and take lots of stills. And I I sometimes will video you as you're doing it, or Mm. do a bit of talking to camera, because you know I can run around with a GoPro and talk to camera. And and I think it's quite interesting watching, this is something you didn't talk about in great detail, but I'd like to go back to it. So I'm sometimes videoing you while you're filming, while you're uh, taking photos of people. And it's really interesting watching their reactions from the other side and I like to get their reactions in as well. So we've been in Southeast Asia for 10 years and we were in India for three years. And I would say generally the response here and there has been quite similar in that most people love, love you to turn up with a camera, don't you agree?
0: Yes, Uh, and again, I think I mentioned this in our recent video in BIMA where uh, they can't help themselves Yeah, they have to put they have to pull the peace sign and a silly face.
1: You have to let them get through that.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, I did say in that video that I try and get the uninvited photo first before you go through all that, because once you've got that engagement with them, um, obviously everything changes, the whole dynamic changes. So it's I think it's important to try and get the that try and get that decisive moment uh, first. Uh, because it's very difficult to get that decisive moment afterwards. Um, But on the whole, yes, we've found that doing street photography is, apart from the technical problems, i.e. being spotted with a camera and then reacting (laughs) in that way, apart from that, uh, they're very comfortable with being photographed and they don't have a problem with it. And it it does help that, of course, we are clearly tourists as well, so we're not not threatening. I think it's... You look at a, a lot of street photography, certainly that gets posted on Instagram. It's much more that distant uh, street photography or maybe a passing crowd, but you've, you don't see as much of the full confrontational, in-your-face kind of mm. stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I, not It's not for any legal reasons, but uh, I think we just know in the West, we uh, respond less well to a stranger coming up and photographing us. Uh, Can you just go through
1: that, because I I think uh, people need to understand about taking photographs of each other out in the open. Can you explain the legal side of it?
0: Generally, and this does apply in most countries, if you're in a public place, you are allowed to take photographs. No one can stop you from taking photographs when you're in a public place. Uh, Hence if you're in the street, uh, everything's legal. Uh, Mm. You could be taking a photograph of a private building. But if you are standing in the street, if that security guard comes out and tells you not to photograph the building he's being the guard for, he has no right to do that. You Mm. can take a photo. Um, And obviously, some photographers push that luxury of of doing that by getting in your face with people. And, you know, were they to be uh, confronted with that, they just turn around and say, well, you know, I've got every right to do that. Most photographers mm. don't. Most photographers are very uh, you know, gentle people who will normally say, don't worry, I'll, I'll delete it, I'll delete it for you,
1: mm-hmm. if that were to
0: happen. But we don't find that in, in, in Asia. Uh, we have had a few issues. I remember in India, uh, we were in a train station and I actually ended up in the, 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 main, the chief guard's office not because I was arrested, but I wanted to know why I wasn't allowed to take photographs in a train station. And this actually relates back to the Mumbai bombings of 2008. And I think they actually passed a law which said photography would not be allowed in those kind of public mm-hmm. places. So there are always exceptions to the rule, but mm-hmm. uh, on the whole, yeah, you're free to Take pictures of whatever you want.
1: So, can you take a photograph of a person out in the street and then publish it and get paid for it without them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think people need to understand that.
0: Well, hold on. So, no, sorry. To get so normally, if it's for commercial reasons, you need the consent of your subject.
1: Right. So, when you say commercial reading reasons, what? So, if you're
0: using it in a billboard advert, for example.
1: Right. Yes. so not as an exhibit in a in a museum or a gallery? N-
0: no. <laughs> no, as far as I no? know, no, no, <laughs> you, no, you don't. No, yes. it's normally for commercial purposes and commercial in the the commercial sense. And I don't yeah. know where, you know, that would fall in, you know, when I think of the exhibitions that I've seen uh, and the street photographies, the famous street photographies, they're full of strangers.
1: Yeah. Um
0: So. Yeah, I mean that's perhaps a grey area, but uh, if it, if you're taking, you just say you're taking photos for yourself. Yeah. Essentially, you are, and then if it happens to end up in a set of ten or fifteen exhibited photos uh, later on, I you know, I don't think that's a problem
1: no i don't think i don't think it is but as you say if you're selling it to uh, for a commercial that's the obvious one uh, but there's going to be lots of grades in between so street photography back home in the uk a little different would you say i mean you've you've had more negative experiences in the west i think am i right or is that wrong
0: yes i mean the i remember one particular uh confrontation i had uh which was down in rye in your mum's mm. hometown at sleepy <laughs> market coastal town um, and had a confrontation with a woman because I was taking photos it turned out of her teenage son who Mm. happened to be sitting on a park bench Um, and of course I'm so used to taking pictures of teenagers, children, old people you know didn't matter Um, you know maybe didn't think about it so uh, yeah so she she had a, a big go at me and you know, I assured her. To be honest, her reaction was absolutely, uh, you know, it was it was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> but mainly when people say they don't want it, you just don't take the photo. I mean, occasionally over here. Just walk on. Yes, quite often women don't want to have a photograph taken, you know, but um, perhaps for religious reasons, customs, I don't know, sometimes they definitely don't. And it's absolutely fine, they just turn their heads away, put their hands across, and they, and then you just say, yeah, no problem.
0: Sometimes they'll yeah. just do this, they'll say no photo. Yeah. And, and in yeah. which case, it's fine, you nod and smile yes. and just walk on because there'll be another photo to take around the corner. Now, yeah. what is interesting, and I've, I'd love to do a video on, particular photos that people have commented on, where the viewer has interpreted that single frame as confrontational because of the expression captured on the face. Yes. Quite often, those photographs will be a series of before and after photographs, and I happen to select, say, the middle frame, but there'll be five before and five after, five before where it may show her turning around to look at camera, And then the five after, where after the shock and surprise, she bursts into a huge smile and then does the peace (laughs) sign. And of course, those pictures are a little bit more for me. They're a bit more cliche, perhaps. So I'm looking for the photo that's super engaging and gets the viewer to, to, to question it. So quite often, the photos that we end up showing in our videos Uh, can be interpreted in many different ways, and sometimes people interpret it the wrong way, I think the wrong way, by saying, oh, you know, you can clearly see this person is upset. I can think of one I haven't yet shown, actually, because I took it in Naboan Bajo, which we're going to be visiting very soon in our videos. Yeah. And it's a super photo because I I was using Flash at the time, and she was wearing uh, a yellow jumpsuit. She was a, a, a street cleaner, and... She just looked incredible. And I got this photo with the flash gun and the look on her face is just of, who knows, shock, surprise, horror, uh, whatever, you know, however you interpret it. The fact is, after that photo, I then stopped, chatted to her, showed her the frame. She loved it. She laughed. You don't see all that in that single frame. Mm. And that's Mm. why when people... Write comments like that. You know you're you're being inconsiderate. <laughs> uh, I don't really respond to it because I know that. No, I wasn't, and the interaction I had with that person uh, uh, proves otherwise.
1: And it is such a great way to get to know people. You know, because we're always going on about wanting to understand the culture a bit better and you do that by talking to people and it's the perfect entrance into it. You know, as you say, you you take the photo, you get chatting, you sit down and, and chat to a number of people around you. When we were on Zimbabwe, we ended up sitting with Diana in her on her veranda for hours, and still got her on WhatsApp. People over the world we've got on, on WhatsApp and back and forth. She helped set up that whole thing you did uh, on the bagan, doing the night fishing and all that sort of thing. So, you know, just to go back to Londa Bali's original question about how easy is it to get to know people, it's uh, photography is a really great way of doing it. Without being intrusive, you can break down barriers very, very quickly and very easily, particularly here, because everybody wants to know you anyway. Everyone's so friendly in Indonesia.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that almost bothers me. And if we move on to different cultures, you know, let's say Japan. I know for a fact that in Japan, I think street photography is more difficult and there are more legal implications. Plus, there are much more reserved race generally. so, uh, I mean, I do know some great Japanese street photographers and also for street photographers from the West who've got some great photos from Japan, but I know for, as an example, that's a place where the kind of photography I'm doing in Asia, in Southeast Asia, would be difficult to do in East Asia, um, and even more so, you know, in the West, let's say. Um, uh, yeah, that that that's a concern of mine. I may have to move over to bird photography or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> but, you
1: know, those, uh, in, the, in the very latest one, we'll put a link at the top of the screen somewhere if, if you're watching this, in the very latest one, which is all uh, based in Pulau Banta, just before we got to Komodo, you did a lot of um, drone footage of the crater because we were anchored inside a, in a spectacular volcano. It's a deserted island. If you haven't seen it, watch it, it's amazing. But then staggered along with the, the videos... Taken from the drone, you you did some single sh- images taken from the drone as well. And for me, I like those better than the than the video. I thought they were stunning.
0: Mm. Yes, yeah. yeah, they those tend to be. I tend to do a lot of panoramics from the from the drone, which are nine uh, stitched photos. So they are very spatial and um, yeah, the the dr- drone photography is an interesting one. Um, I posted up a photo when I first got my drone I posted up a photo on it was either Instagram or Twitter and I wrote uh drone street photography you saw it here first and it was a, a photo looking directly down at uh this great image of uh, a couple sitting at a table and chair by the shore with this umbrella and the waves breaking and anyway it it, it was a great photo even if I say so myself um and drone photography is an interesting one where actually you tend to find, especially if you're shooting straight down, it's actually better to take photos in the middle of the day uh, because you've got the sun pointing straight down. You don't have the problems with shadows that you get when you're shooting horizontally with a camera on land. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there are competitions for drone photography. It's definitely an established uh, uh, medium, a, a, a style of photography. and uh, And I think it's great that That exists. Um, I tend to just do it just for you know the the documentary for our videos really just makes a little change from from the video itself.
1: Yeah, and you want to shake it up, don't you? You want some different perspectives and angles, and you want the stills in there and the movement, and so so what do we call this? We called this the importance of photography and video. So I think what we've tried to say is that they each have their positives. Um, they're each bringing something to the party, that the video tends to be the workhorse and the photography is the, is the moments of beauty, usually. And so it's, it's a great way of combining the two, putting it all into some kind of narrative and some kind of story. Um, it's almost so, like the
0: video is saying, this is how we got here. And this is a sort of general overview. And then the photography is the sort of the dive in under the skin and saying, these are the people that that live here and this is their life. Mm. Uh, I suppose that's a very simple way of looking at it.
1: So you've talked a bit about how important it is to to, when you're filming, as you're thinking always as a photographer. But one of the questions that people do ask a lot is uh, what equipment should you use? Is it something you prepare to talk about now? Or is it all rubbish? Uh,
0: yeah, well that's interesting because uh, you could answer the question you've probably heard this before, the best camera is the camera that you have on you. Um, by the way, I could talk about this for hours uh, because it, it is my passion. So, uh, So shut me up when I've talked too much about it. But yeah, obviously when we are doing our vlogging, I have to think about Okay, am I going to take the video camera and also the stills camera? And for me, with either travel or street photography, the smaller, the better, really. It's just something that's super portable. And although I shoot with a full frame camera, uh, mirrorless camera, it is very small. And uh, I, I think certainly with street photography, you want to be as insignificant as possible. You don't want to be seen or spotted. And there's a lot to be said for marching around with a massive, great, big full frame DSLR and a zoom lens, a great big zoom telephoto lens on it. Um, that, that's not street photography in my book. That's stalking, you know, when you're it's trying to get a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're getting a shot from way over there because you don't have the confidence to get up close and personal. Uh, my favourite photographer, street photographer, possibly of all time, is Bruce Gilden who is an extremely divisive uh, photographer uh, because if you look at some of his early work, he really did get up close and personal. But I think it was he who coined the phrase that you need to smell the streets. Your photo needs to be so uh, in the moment that you you are taken there. And that's obviously very difficult to do with a whacking great big long telephoto lens taken from half a mile away. So in terms of gear, Really, the smaller the better, and you know, it just needs to be something that can turn on quickly and take that photo quickly if you're using autofocus to autofocus quickly. Uh, but you can take a picture with street photography, certainly with any camera, to be honest. And the more gear you have, the more complex it becomes. Now you're carting around loads of stuff and and this goes back to our, our videoing as well, is that I'm trying to pare down our video equipment because we're moving around and traveling and carrying all this extra camera gear. It just, it kills the creativity, I think, more than anything.
1: I remember the olden days when I used to hike a bloody great bits and pieces bag full of all your bloody lenses and, uh, I don't know, everything. <laughs> it was it was an in Grudgingly.
0: Yes, yeah, so I downsized in India because I found I was getting uh, back problems. Um, this is something that you hear a lot of from camera cameramen and women who work in the industry, having to cart all this heavy gear around. Uh, uh, but I, even I was finding it with my Canon full frame, my Canon L lenses, these big heavy lenses. When you're travelling around uh, and marching up and down mountains in the tropics, that is the last kind of camera gear you want to be taking with you. It's, it's completely impractical. And then you get to your spot and you're all hot and sweaty and frustrated. And as I said, it, that just, it completely kills the creativity and you just want to sit down and have a cup of tea rather than, you know, get, get into, the, uh, into the streets as it were.
1: Oh yeah, I remember those moments. It was me carting around tripods as well. But um, <laughs> getting away from straight photography and just stills, what about, so with video, what do we use now? So I I only use one camera. I use a GoPro. That's all I use at the moment. Although I believe that you're you're changing that for me when you come back. And you've got something else for me. So
0: <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it now because no. uh, it, it's got your it? it's your Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've only ever wanted one camera at a time, and I want it to be a point and shoot and uh, you know full friendly camera. I'm not interested in all the gizmos that that you do but a lot of the the big stuff and all the different switches and bells and whistles that you used to have you seem to have less and less of that now on the on the video equipment that you use
0: yeah and i think it's it's partly an age thing um, you know it, it's it's tiring carrying around all this gear all the time and in fact with our videos what i'm tending to find is that when we get to a new location I'll take the video gear with me first when we go ashore um, get some B-roll. Uh, B-roll is just a, a name for the, not the main shots in a video, but the, the quick shot of, you know, the mountain or the sea or, or whatever. Um, Setting the
1: atmosphere, that... really, yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, so get all that with the video gear and then, as you said earlier, is to maybe go back another day, having now got a bit familiar with the terrain, uh, with the stills camera, but more often than not with the stills camera only and to not take the video uh, gear with me. And that allows me to focus purely on the, on the photography and to not even have to think about the, uh, the video side of things.
1: If you find this topic interesting and would like to continue the conversation, come and join the Follow the Boat Discord community.
0: Look for the link in the description. It's free. We should mention, we mention Discord every week, uh, but on our Discord server, we actually have, we have a a little photography section, which is just your photos, where people are just encouraged to post up any photo, uh, just for the sake of having a gallery. But we actually have a separate camera chat uh, channel. And um, so this is where us camera nerds talk about equipment. And uh, so, I would positively encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast who wants to talk more about gear, uh, tips, ideas, that kind of thing, whether it's for video or for photography, uh, to join our Discord server and try and find the camera chat uh, channel because that's you know that's where we talk all about this kind of stuff in more detail.
1: Yes, I'd like to reiterate that it's a busy uh, little corner of the discord area that is full of enthusiasts everybody's encouraged to ask any question they like nobody will be bored of your question i will not be participating because it bores me stupid but jamie (laughs) loves it (laughs) and so do lots of our members they you know everybody has an opinion and loads of interesting things to say so it's a really good spot and a friendly place to go and talk about cameras and equipment. Yeah, it's good to see the photos.
0: We should just say though, that you say all this, but we have actually just bought you a special lens for one of my cameras, along with a light box studio, because you are going to be taking some photos, which I'm really hoping will also appear in our videos. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yes, well, I have, Uh, My whole interest in shells and beachcombing has just skyrocketed over the last year. Since the end of COVID, I've been really looking at my shell collection. So I started picking up bits and pieces, not just shells, all kinds of things, from the beach 15 years ago, really, and uh, had a basket full of stuff. But recently, I've got much more interested in identifying shells. And to do that, you need to collect the shell and then photograph it With a macro lens very very carefully and then put it into specialist groups where they will help you to give you the identification and just as an aside one of the most interesting things and exciting things that has happened to me is that last week i found a shell everybody believes is a new species so uh, you know for the real shell nerds (laughs) it's very exciting Uh, but yeah so we can go down the whole rabbit hole of should you collect shells. I do understand the um, the whole thinking behind that. I do have one of everything that I've found, and uh, I keep them in labelled in boxes. And I have become a complete bore about the whole thing. But what I want to do is take better photographs, much clearer photographs, and because uh, all I'm using is my potty little mobile phone at the moment, so I'm really interested to do some macro photography and macro photography is something that really does interest me, Uh, all the insects and things and shells and this kind of thing, I'd love to be able to get some real close-up crisp shots, so yeah that's going to be my thing.
0: And we should just say that one of the reasons for photographing is, is that it's quite likely that you won't be able to keep those shells Uh, So you want to document them now, just in case you end up putting them back on the beach. Um, And the thing with, and we're getting a bit technical here, the problem with photographing shells is that they're so, on the whole, they're so small, that when you take a picture with your camera, even if you use a very deep depth of field, so you close down your aperture, quite often only one part of the shell is in focus you get you get that drop off effect and so the the lens that we've bought you is specifically for macro photography and you're even you've even been learning about focus stacking there we go we won't talk about that now but all I'm saying is is that you say all this stuff bores you, Liz, but, <laughs> you know, there's a side of photography that you do really like. And you take great photos with your with your camera phone as well.
1: Yes, I do. I mean, I love photography. I don't like... The equipment bit bores me a bit, you know, how to get there. I know what I want. I mean, I love art, always have done. I've come from a family of people that love anything creative and artists. So, of course, yes, I love photography and love looking at photographs so uh, yeah I've got a, a, a great love of photography so yes I'm, I'm being mean it's not true <laughs> but I won't really join in the, the, the gear chat But I do like looking at the photos that go up and the pets people put photos of their pets up they're lovely
0: yeah yeah we love that uh, I was just thinking while I've been back in the UK I have actually been doing a few little vlogs really just for myself and f- for my family And most of that will never get published. But there was one that mum kept saying, oh, you should post this up. And it was the one of Angle C Abbey. And uh, this is actually using uh, a a new camera I'm trying out. Uh, So really, it was a test to see how well this camera performed. It's your GoPro, GoPro replacement, I will tell you that much. Oh,
1: okay. I thought you bought yourself another camera.
0: <laughs> well, I've, I've bought you another camera, I should okay. say. OK, OK, all right. <laughs> uh, but I just wondered if perhaps people could let us know if they're interested in seeing this. It's literally just two, three minutes of the British countryside in full autumnal colours. And uh, it, it's a nice little piece. And mum kept saying, well, you should post it up because it features an old stately home in some beautiful gardens and uh, maybe people would be interested in, in that side of it. I know it has nothing to do with sailing uh, and very little to do with travel, but uh, perhaps we could pin it on the end of one of our podcasts because it, it wouldn't stand alone as an episode.
1: I think we should wrap this up because I think we've said as much as we're going to say on the subject at the moment, uh, but no doubt that you, you'll have lots of comments and we do want to have some discussion going on in the in the comments below this video if you're watching it on video and over at Discord so let's let's talk more but I think you should put it at the end of this one because it's been all about photography and it is a beautiful work of art I love it it's great and it gives it's made me feel quite homesick for the UK even though it's cold
0: okay all right so just to uh, going back to doing vlogging and, and video travel video that kind of thing just to put This little clip we're about to watch in context. This is the DJI Action 4, and it is very similar to a GoPro, but the difference is this camera just works. Because we all know the reason why, what I've been finding, I said to you earlier that I'm getting, I'm miniaturizing more and more our video equipment. What I was finding towards the tail end of our trip. Um, Just before I got back here was that I found I was picking up the GoPro more often than I was my big video camera And I realized that for the sake of vlogging, which isn't particularly Cinemagraphic, is it? It's just vlogging. We needed a camera that we can both use that you just turn on and it records when you want it to now the GoPro is notorious for shutting down, corrupting files, overheating, and DJI have this range of cameras which are a direct competition to GoPro, and the latest iteration, the Action 4, everyone has been raving about because it's just such a great little action cam. And I have to say, having edited this little video, you'll see that the colors you can get out of it. So I recorded it in D-Log, which is a flat profile that allows you to color correct. It's that flat profile is really easy to work with in the editing suite. Um, It's a great little camera. So I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy using Uh, it.
1: I'm looking forward to it. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, we'll finish. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to get this added bonus at the end of Jamie's little work of art. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Great. All right. That uh, nicely wraps up that. As we said, if you've got any questions, then do head over to Discord and look for that camera chat section. I'm always hovering around in there and always keen to talk about camera gear, which Liz isn't, because it's my passion and I'm a complete nerd when it comes to this kind of thing.
1: Thanks for watching, everybody, and for listening. All right. Catch you next time. Bye.